Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. It is a holiday, but not for us. It's every day Saturday, except on Monday. And this is Mr. Greg Dickerson. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, Michael. Good to see you. Nice to see you as well. So something you have uh, championed, brought to the channel probably three, four, five months ago was this notion of great deleveraging. I want to kind of break that down and ask you specific stuff about what is going on in our economy right now, what is going on in the Fed, and you know, talk, talk about the future a little bit. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Awesome. So what do you think is the uh, if we talk about inflation, right, if inflation is the topic, right, it's the middle of January. Do you think the Fed is clearly behind the curve as we sit today? Yeah, yeah. They're way in over their heads. Um, you know, they were ignoring it and denying it for way too long. They've lost credibility from a policy standpoint, <clears throat> meaning the rest of the world has no faith that the Fed can make the right decisions to, you know, to fight inflation, which is now a global thing. This is really Fed policy in the United States is affecting markets and, and you know, economies around the world. So they've lost credibility around the world that they understand and have a grip on what's going on. What the rest of the world knows that the Fed has not acknowledged yet is, yeah, they said we're going to raise rates four times next year. We're going to, you know, uh, lighten up on the balance sheet. And, you know, we're going to, um, you know, stop the, you know, asset purchase and, you know, liquidity flow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what the rest of the world knows and what most people know is it's too late. Unless mm -hmm. they act drastically up front, inflation is so out of control now and it's going to continue to get worse. There's some transitory components, but at the end of the day, it's bad. It's, you know, we're double digits, you know, probably close to 20% real inflation. Yeah. You know, what, what they're measuring, they know doesn't accurate, accurately account for what we're really experiencing. And everybody watching this knows. And what's happening is you're getting to the point with inflation where you're going to have civil unrest. That's when you have a serious problem from a po political standpoint. When you have people marching in the streets and showing up in Washington because they can't afford food, they can't afford shelter, and they can't afford clothing, the Fed's got to move and they got to move fast. So what does that mean? Paul Volcker, Alan Greenspan. So the only way to stop inflation at this point, where we're at now, and everybody knows it, is you got to put the, the, the U.S. economy into recession. That's the only way to stop it. Oh, you are... you're. Pre, you're, you're reading my notes. So the, the next question, we're still going to walk through this so we can get to the, I think we're in the same place. Absolutely. So again, I agree with everything you've just said. So the next question I have is, can the Fed catch up? Well, yeah, they can, but will they? That's, no, the, no, question. that's the next question. But can yeah, they? But yeah, they can. So if the Fed came out and just right off the bat, stopped all asset purchases and raise rates at least a half a point, if not three quarters. And that's what they have to do. Not this 25% or exactly. You got to come out and you got to swing a sledgehammer and you got to raise rates, you know, 500 basis points, you know, to 750 basis points, Woo! you know, which is half a percent to three quarters of a percent. Sounds yeah. like a lot. Yeah. And cut everything else out at the same time and then let the chips fall where they fall and let the markets deleverage, let everything come back to home base. And then you can, you know, let things kind of stave off from there. But I don't think they have, um, I don't, I just don't think they have the backbone or, or the stomach. Yeah, no, I, uh, so, so far we are in painful agreement. I, can they? Absolutely. And I've actually said it for months now on my channel that the first move has to be half a point. 
if they're first. And the first, other caveat is, as you've seen, I've sent you a couple articles. The politicians yeah. have exited their positions. Yes. And so have their, you know, institutional investor buddies. So mm-hmm. yeah, they can now. Now they can do it. They couldn't <laughs> yeah. before because they had to get everybody out of the market first. And oh. you know, and I'm not kidding. If you look at the stories out there every yeah. day, there's a new story coming out about one of the politicians in Washington, Congress, Senate, you know, in in DC that have been taking advantage of Fed policy and insider information to yeah. really do well in the stock market. That's the other thing that's causing a lot of civil unrest right now. The more of these stories that come out, the more people are getting ticked off. Mm. Uh, so they, they have to do something now at this point. Yeah, I, I'm, I totally agree with you. The only way this gets better, again, can they, is Jerome Powell has to be a mini Paul Volcker. He can't be Greenskin, can't be Bernanke, can't be Yellen, can't be... Can't be the one that, hey, the market throws a, a fit and then you stop or heaven forsake reverse. You've you've got to be able to suffer pain and you've got to probably kick this thing into a recession. So can they catch up? Yes. Can they build confidence? Yes. So the next question is, will they? What do you think? You know, at this point, it's a political issue. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have midterm elections and you have the presidency coming up. So unless they do something drastically that they can, you know, so the only thing they can do is put the country in recession, create a serious economic situation to get inflation under control, which is which is going to hurt, you know, people in another way, because you're going to see real estate values, uh, stock, stock values, market, you know, yeah. all of that's going to unwind. So that's going to hurt the wealth of people, which which hurts spending. But if you leave inflation where it's at, that's even worse. So you, really, it's a no win situation unless you let it get really bad. And then right before the election, you jump back in and save everything. And, and you know, <laughs> all the markets and everything is back off to the races. And, you know, the current policy, current administration looks really good because, hey, we were headed into economic Armageddon and we just saved the world. So yeah. they're ta- having these conversations behind the scene. Let's nuke it now mm-hmm. so we can revive it later. They have to do something. They can't just ignore it because, again, you will have people marching in the streets if this goes on much longer. Yeah, this this is uh, 2022 is going to be a very um, interesting year. And I think back to kind of the earlier conversations, one you mentioned in the grand video, it could get to a point where high end real estate doesn't sell. I mean, they become this the notion of a white elephant. Remember that a whole white elephant? You can't nobody can sell these arbitros, you know, beachfront homes because they're just not trading because nobody wants them. So, I mean, it, yeah. It, and there, it, you know, there's, there's a certain level of ultra luxury real estate where, you know, people just don't care. They pay what they pay. But when the economy's bad and when it's risk off, again, mm-hmm. don't fight the Fed works both ways. It works going up, it works coming down. So when the Fed is coming out with guns blazing, you can't fight the Fed. What does that mean? You take on risk assets because they're, you know, they're the, they're the 800 pound gorilla buying bonds and so mm-hmm. all that. Well, when it goes the other way and the Fed's unloading and they're not pumping liquidity in the market, then you know you can't fight the Fed that way either. Yeah. So what happens is, and we saw it in 2008 and 9, the first segment of the market that took a hit back then was, was all the luxury stuff, all the high-end restaurants, all the high-end hotels, all the high-end vacation spots, all the high-end houses. They all mm-hmm. came back. It was a long time before the luxury real estate market did well. The last you know couple of years, it's done exceptionally well because interest rates are really low. And at a certain level, you have people that are paying cash, they don't care. But still, the luxury real estate market was suffering for a long time, and it it really came back, uh, you know, and, and backed up quite a bit over the last number of years. And in the last two years, it's kind of picked up a little bit. But that'll be the first mm. sign, you know. We talked about it before. 
You'll see it in second home markets and you'll mm -hmm. see it in luxury real estate. That's your first sign that the real estate market's turning. Yeah, I agree. So, so when you think about where we're at, what, what do you think will be a bigger policy mistake? Because clearly we both agree they're late. They let this thing go to on. Transitory was perhaps the worst call ever. Uh, or will there, I, I just, I, I do think he's going to come out hard. I'm still calling a half a point high because this 25 point basis point is going to be nothing. Um, do you think he's going to be able to hold on or do you think he's going to relent? I guess, as you're saying, right, come October, they're going to come back and say, oh, it's all good, blah, blah, blah. In, in their cut rates? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, all of the, you know, CPI reads and employment and all that. I mean, so far he still has been pretty soft, even with them coming out yeah. saying, we're going to reduce the balance sheet. We're going to stop, uh, you know, the taper, we're going to unwind that. Um, and we're, you know, we're going to start tapering the, the asset purchase and, and we're going to raise rates. It's still mild. Yeah. You know, hey, you know what I mean? They're still buying how many hundreds of billions a month? And he's only yeah, got they haven't even stopped. Yeah, they're still they got a nine trillion dollar balance sheet and they're still buying for a couple more months. It's crazy. Yeah, and we're gonna raise it 25 basis points. I mean, it's still weak. It's still yeah, it's very weak. weak. And again, that's why they've lost credibility because people yeah. are going, you, you still don't get it. Yeah. So they have to come out very strong with guns blazing, or yeah, they're going to go down as the worst Federal Reserve Board of all time. I agree. And, you know, worse than anybody in the history of the United States and, and yeah. the damage that they're doing now and the damage that's going to be done to unwind it. Yeah, the damage to unwind it is going, to, uh, it's, we, I, I think I read a quote or heard it. I don't know if I read it or heard it. Basically, if we don't, if we keep kicking, down, kicking the can down the road, uh, the pain that we're going to feel now will be paid with interest, which is a scary thought. Uh, the biggest thing for me that I think is going to be that that is not being appreciated is not the stopping of the taper or yeah the getting done. It's not even raising rates. To me, the big thing, Greg, is they're going to become the biggest seller of treasuries, not the biggest buyer. I don't think people have appreciated because again, bonds are inversely correlated. The Fed doesn't have to make money, so if the Fed sells a bond and they're they're unloading a hundred billion, no, there's no buyers. What do you do? Well, you raise the rate. Are there any buyers? Nope, raise the rate. You know, eventually, I mean, well, we could see some really fast movement in rates, I fear. What do you think? Again, that's what I mean. Don't fight the Fed. So what happens is that they start selling, they start, you know, unwinding the balance sheet, rates go up. That's where your, you know, that's where your money goes to now. And where, where would the money have otherwise gone? Into mm -hmm. risk assets. Yeah. Now they're going into treasuries and we're already seeing it. You know, the 10 years, you know, almost at 2%. Yeah, it's, I think it was one eight or one seven nine. Yeah, as soon as you cross two percent again, you know, then you know eyebrows start to get raised and, and things like that. But you know, I mean, it, you know, it's it's over my head in terms yeah. of you know what what if they don't do anything? How far can it go and how bad can it get? And you know, some of the inflation is pandemic, you know, related in terms of supply chain things like that. And we were doing fine until the pandemic, and we experienced that little disruption. But assets were a different story. So the question is, how far and how long could you keep pushing, you know, inflation in assets without real inflation in the consumer, you know, index, which you and I talked about for a long time. Mm -hmm. We saw hyperinflation in the, at the asset level. And, you know, hyperinflation is a big term. But when you look at markets, man, it's parabolic over the last year, you know, from when the Fed threw that trillion dollars at it. Yeah. Real estate, you know, not quite as much as the markets, but it's it, it has a big up curve, you know, with yeah. 30, 40 percent over the last couple of years. Um, but we still weren't seeing real inflation at the consumer level that was impactful until the pandemic. 
So yeah. some of that's going to be transitory. So, you know, if it, if it starts to come back into check once, you know, we get through this and, and get all the, you know, supply chain issues resolved and, you know, kind of ease the demand a little bit, um, you know, it, it'll just be interesting. I, you know, I just don't know how far you can go if, if you don't have real consumer inflation, but you keep pumping up the assets. I, I don't know how far that can go. No, it's 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 time to pay up. Uh, I really do think that. And again, we're, the Fed has a meeting, I think, uh, the 27th, 26th, 27th. So, uh, first meeting of the now, year. This isn't, you know, doom and gloom. This is no, not at all. And this and that and the other, it's just deleveraging. So, you know, you have to deleverage every so often in markets, you know, they pull back and they go up and they pull back and, you know, we just went too far too fast. And now we have to unwind that a little bit. There's only two ways to do it. Number one, from, from an economic standpoint, you tax, you know, liquidity out of the market. Correct. That's one way. The other way is, you know, you start selling off, you know, stuff and you raise interest rates and mm -hmm. things like that, and you cause a recession. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, that, that reduces demand, right? What is a recession? So that's, you know, drop in growth, mm -hmm. you reduce consumer demand. So prices, you know, should come down the less mm -hmm. demand for something, mm -hmm. the better the prices are going to be. So that's their real issue is that there's still too much demand, not enough supply. So that's the issue there that could unwind potentially, you know, that, you know, with Powell as as interesting as his thought process has been, yeah. you just don't know what he's going to do. It's going to be interesting. So again, folks, we've been talking about the great deleveraging. Give full credit to Mr. Greg Dickerson for calling that. That he has his own playlist on this channel with a hundred hours of material. Go check it out. But if you want to find him, how would you like to do that, Greg? Yeah, gregdickerson.com. That's where all my YouTube channel podcast info lives. Greg Dickerson.com. Thanks, buddy.